into some of these things in a little bit. Uh, go to Matthew chapter 2. That is a real, real blessing, young ladies. Uh, I don't know about you, it gives me hope for the next generation when you see some young, la- young people get up and sing like that. I'm going to challenge you boys. You got these girls come up, all pretty. Stand up and fight. Come on, young men, we need you to do this too, right? Matthew chapter 2, I'm going to ask you to stand with me for a little bit. Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2. Brother James like, nope, we just bought these. You're not breaking these, we're moving them. Uh, Matthew chapter 2, look if you would, starting in verse 1. Isn't isn't it already been good to be in church? It's been good, it's been really good. Matthew chapter 2, I'm going to read a couple verses here. A familiar passage, I believe, when it comes to the, 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 the narrative of the Christmas story. And it's only found, this particular information is only found in the Gospel of Matthew. I'm going to explain why in, in just a reason. But let me just say this before I read anything. Uh, when you are looking for problems, you find problems. When you're looking for Jesus Christ, you find Jesus Christ. Now, what, what I'm getting at is you're going to learn about some men that, that, that did a, a, took a, on a great journey. And they went out with a specific purpose to find something. And they found it. And my question this morning is, what are you looking for? Uh, We're going to talk about seeking Christ in Christmas. Look at Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. I want to point out that these men are called wise men. And uh, that means that they were single, because if they were married, they would have known they're not wise. Amen? So, all right, let's go down to verse number three, and we got that out of the way. Look at verse three. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. What, what is it that he had heard? Well, in verse two, they said, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And this news troubles the king. It's just a reminder that not everyone's going to be excited about you seeking out Jesus Christ. Now, look at verse 4. When he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. I've learned some things about controlling personalities. Controlling people are never happy. And Herod is a great example. He demands things. of. Do you realize God doesn't demand anything of you? He says, here's the right way. Here's my son. I died for your sins. I let my son hang on a cross naked and bare before the world, uh, wounded and bruised and beaten within an inch of his life, uh, plucked his beard out, crown of thorns, and he said, blood everywhere. I allowed that so that you could be saved, but I will not force you to accept my son. I'm thankful for a God like that. I'm thankful he doesn't demand and force like some people do. Look, if you would, at verse number five. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah? I believe that's found in Micah chapter 5. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, kind of a separate meeting from everybody else, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. He never tells us in the Bible what the answer is. It just says that he asked that question. Look at verse 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Not everyone that says they want to worship Christ is around for the right reasons either. Uh, Notice what happens here in verse 
Number nine, when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. When they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. I'm going to ask Brother John Perlinger if you'd open us up in a word of prayer, sir. Amen. Amen. Be seated if you would. Let me just say, as I mentioned a second ago, that Matthew is the only gospel that records this story about the wise men. Uh, Obviously, you've got certain things that are mentioned in in, uh, the gospels that kind of overlap, and they'll be mentioned more than once. Uh, You learn about the shepherds in Luke chapter 2. You learn about the manger scene in Luke chapter 2. But in regards to the wise men, it's only found in the gospel of Matthew. We ought to ask ourselves why that is. Uh, Go back to chapter 1. Look at chapter 1 in verse number 1. Notice it says, The book of the generations of Jesus Christ, the son of who? David. It presents Jesus Christ as an heir to the throne that is rightfully his. Look at Matthew chapter 3, verse number 1. Sandwiched in, this is not deep math or anything, but sandwiched in between 1 and 3 is 2. And in, in, ver, in chapter 3, look what it says here in verse number 1. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye for the what? kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so in between the, the, the fabric of the, the, the gospels is the story, the narrative of the birth of Christ in chapter 2. And what connects those thoughts between chapters 1 and 2 and 3 is that this gospel has to do with a king getting what is rightfully his, the kingdom of heaven. And, and therefore, as you read the gospel of Matthew, understand the reason why this is the only one that presents the story of the wise men is this is the one that shows us that there'll be those who would someday Gentiles, those who are not familiar with the things of God, who did not know who the Messiah was, they would find themselves at the feet of Jesus Christ. It's a picture of two things. Number one, a picture of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ for a thousand years on this earth where the Gentiles will come and present their gifts under the King of kings and the Lord of lords. No one's going to have a vote. He'll be the king forever and ever and ever and ever. You have a perfect government, and there'll be no problems because he's going to square all the justice issues away. People talk about social justice and justice for this, and justice. it'll be exactly the way it ought to be. I can't wait for that day. I can't wait. You know what else it's a picture of? It's a picture of Gentiles who get in on getting saved and find their way to Jesus Christ and bring something unto him. Let me ask you this morning. It's Christmas time. What are you bringing to Jesus Christ? It's Christmas time. What are you looking for right now? People say, oh, you know, I, I remember the, the war on Christmas from Starbucks of 2015. You know, you know we're not going to you know, have you know, Christmas on the cups, and we can't do that because it's politically incorrect. No. And there's a lot of you Christians that would say, you know what? I'd want you to say Merry Christmas because Christmas is about Christ. And yet, even as believers, we find all kinds of other things that our minds are on at this time of year outside of pursuing Jesus Christ. 
And let me tell you right now, the most important thing you have in your life, it is, not your, it is not your bank account, it is not your car, it is not your job, it's not even your family. You know what it is? It's your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't care how much Bible you know. The most important thing, someone that just got saved a couple weeks ago, I would tell Brother Pedro, the most important thing you have is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Someone that's been saved for 20-some, 30-some years, I would say your most important thing is your fellowship and relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's number one. (laughs) And if you're not careful, it goes out the door when everything gets busy in life. And let's be honest, this is a time of year where your mind is on this event and that event and these people and those, I got to get that gift, I got to do this, I got to do that. And you know who gets left out in left field? Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, what are you seeking this morning? You know, people come to church, I want a bunch of hypocrites in the church. The problem is you're looking for hypocrites. You're going to find them. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, uh, when, I, when someone comes to church and they go, man, I just felt peace. You know why? They were looking for peace. When someone comes to church and looking for Christ, they go, man, I can sense the moving of the Spirit of God. When you look for Christ, he can be found. God does not want you being far from him. He wants to bring you in closer as he does with the wise men. But you've got to have a desire to look for him. Can I I say this? Mary and, 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 and the shepherds and the wise men, they have one thing in common. It's not their gender. Obviously, Mary's a woman and the shepherds and wise men are men. And people go, well, how many wise men were there? And was one of their na- names Balthazar? And this and this. I don't know any of that stuff because that's not in the Bible. I stick with the book, right? And what I can tell you from the book is it doesn't say how many wise men go. Well, they brought gold and frankincense and myrrh. Well, I can tell you this much. The wise men weren't Baptists because if it was just one guy, he would have brought one gift. Okay? <laughs> I don't know if it was like a three of them. It could have been 20 of them. I have no idea. I can't tell you. I can tell you there's a great picture, of, if it was three, of the, of the sons of Noah that represent all of mankind, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. You can make the argument. I don't know how many wise men there were. It doesn't say exactly what country they came from, but here's what I can tell you about the wise men and about the shepherds and about Mary. All of them had to leave where they were at in order to encounter Jesus Christ. Mary had to leave Nazareth and, and go down to Bethlehem. And then from Bethlehem into Egypt, and then back to Bethlehem, and then back up to Nazareth. And the shepherds had to leave their fields to go find Jesus in the manger. And the wise men had to leave their country. Question, are you willing to leave what you know to get closer to Jesus Christ? Listen, if you're not saved, let me tell you, you can leave all kinds of stuff. Quit all your bad habits, and you'll still die and go to hell without Jesus Christ. I can't believe you just said that. I thought you were here to cheer me up. It's Christmas time. You should talk more about love. Then let me help you out this way. God loved you enough to die for your sins. And if you're willing to accept him as your savior, which he will not force on you, he will give you eternal life. But you will not find him by quitting all your bad habits. You will come to him on his terms, not yours. And if you're a child of God, can I, can I recommend this? Just how you got saved. The same way you got saved, you came to him on, on, on God's terms, not yours. Continue in that thought process as a believer. What happens is this. I know there's no other way to heaven outside Jesus Christ. I can't work my way there. I can't join the church to get to heaven. I can't uh, uh, get baptized to wash my sins away. By the way, that's not. This water is the city of Aurora water. And let me tell you right now, it's cold. All right, Pedro, you ready? <laughs> I can tell you, this, this water barely washes the stains on my clothes away. It is not going to wash your sins away. Baptism is not, there's nothing you could do physically to, to earn or merit the righteousness of God 
through Jesus Christ. If there was a way for you to do that, the entire Christmas story, the, 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 the birth and the life and the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ would have been a colossal waste of time if you could do it on your own. He did that because you could not get to God. You're going to tell me, let's be honest about it. You ever look at a woman to lust after your heart, gentlemen? Yes. You ever lied? Yes. You ever stolen something? Yes. You're a lying, thieving adulterer. You still think you're a good guy? That's between, yeah, that's, that's people talking. Wait till you get in front of God. You think God's going to be like, well, you know, I know you did this, you did that, but, but it's no big deal because overall you're kind of a good guy. Your sins put Jesus Christ on the cross. God takes that seriously. God's not going to go, well, you went to church, and you were sprinkled, and you joined, you did First Communion, and you did this, and you went to, you went to New Heights, and therefore you're saying, uh-uh. You had to come through Jesus Christ on God's terms. And when you get saved, and you want to walk with God, and you want to continue to seek Him, it's going to be on God's terms, not yours. Listen, I think people will do all kinds of things, crazy things. They'll move. Listen, some of you, some of you young people... You don't know Black Friday like we know Black Friday. <laughs> Can I get a witness? Yeah. I remember moving to Colorado. My sister, Veronica, still lived here. And I, I was like, after Thanksgiving, I'm like, where are you going? Oh, we're going to get in line at Best Buy. What for? Oh, man, they got TVs half off or whatever it was, 75% off. I don't know what it was. And it's like you live in a country where you make enough money to live like a homeless person overnight to buy stuff at 75% off. Yeah camp out in these long, remember Black Friday? You know what that was? That was people's way of saying there's so much value in that. I'm willing to look like a fool and stand in line and be out in the cold and, and set up a tent and put up a little fire pit there. And all, Yeah, that's real. And, and, and you bunch of cyber sissies now, you just click, 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 click. Yeah, we should be a lot more work than that. <laughs> Some of you know the pain of Black Friday like I do. All right, well, listen, you know why people do that? They, th- they, they found value. They perceived value in that thing. Therefore, they were willing to leave their families, push away from the table at 7 o'clock on Thanksgiving night, and, and leave the family and go stand out in the cold. What for? And then people come to church and go, oh, it's too full in there. Thank God it's too full in here. I'd much rather have that problem than nobody here, man. But, but what I'm getting at is this. People will go to great lengths when they think there's something of value on the other side man if you don't believe that olivia our baby girl man when she sees something that she wants she does it she's doing this weird i don't even know how to do it she does this like half crawl thing like this but like it's like at the speed of light man she's pew, just like that and she and she'll see something that i don't even notice and she'll go after that thing and i'm like no olivia don't touch no olivia don't touch no, Olivia. And you know what? She'll, now she's starting to get it. But you know why sometimes she'll even do this number? Because she's hoping that whatever she's about to put her hands on will have enough value to be worth whatever's about to come her way for not listening to daddy. You, you say, what is that? Listen, as a human being, when you perceive value, you'll do all kinds of crazy things in order to get what you want. Let me ask you a question. Do you perceive value in your relationship with Jesus Christ? When a man, when a man loves a woman, oh, he'll take her to the Broadmoor for dinner. Two hours away, he'll take her on the man to incline. Boy, 
I tell you what, man, if my fiance, soon to be fiance, took me on the Antu incline, it better be you're going to propose to me. <laughs> I ain't going through all that if you don't have a ring at the end of it, man. <laughs> Amen. But you know what a man will do? He'll get on one knee. He'll sing songs. He'll be a, be a fool. Why? Because I value what I'm about to get for the next 30, 40, 50, or until the rapture, amen. Uh, however long I've got, I value that so much, I'm willing to go through the temporary discomfort and the temporary foolishness and whatever else. Why? Because that matters. How's your, how about your relationship with God? What are you looking for? I'm going to tell you this. Whatever you're looking for, you're going to find it. If you don't believe that, I know I've said this before, summer camp's like the greatest example of this. You go to summer camp and kids don't know each other. And like emo, remember the emo kids? <laughs> Brother Jose back in the day, you know, so, you know, like, you know, that kind of thing. They find each other, you know. The jocks find each other, you know. Those guys, they find each other, you know. And, and, and the girls that don't want to eat around the guys find each other. Oh, I'm full, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> It, they all find each other. Why? Because that's what they're looking for. You generally find what you want. So what do you want to find? Do you want to find Jesus? He can be found. You know, he says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Seek him now. You know, we tell our young people, seek him now. We tell those in the twilight end of their life, seek him now. We tell those that are lost, seek him now. You know, we tell the believers you get their, their, their judgments being clouded by the things of the world and their value systems being torn apart and, and their, their, their pressure from this world is eating them up, eating them alive, and keeping them up at night with fear and anxiety. You know, I'd say, seek him now. Those wise men sought him and they found him. And boy, it made a difference. Can I say Abraham? You know what Abraham did according to Hebrews? <laughs> I love that story. Honey, we're moving. Where are we going? I don't know. Brother John, you, you told your wife you're moving from Minnesota to Colorado. I'm sure that wasn't easy. But you know what would have made it a lot harder? If you told your wife, Laura, we're, we're moving. And she said, where are we going, John? And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that you'd be alive right now, bro. I, don't, I mean, that's not something that goes well with ladies. I mean, you want security. You know, where are we going? Abraham goes, I'm moving. Where are you going? I don't know. God told me. What, what, what God? The God. He can't even say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because they haven't existed yet, but he says, the God, my God, showed up to me and said this. And here's what God's commentary is about Abraham. He sought for a city whose builder and maker was God. You know why he left home? He was looking for something better. Do you know why some young people leave the Father's house? Because they're looking falsely for something better. You know why some Christians get out of fellowship with God? They think they're going to find something better out there, and they're not. I appreciate Johnny and Gabby's testimony, and we're going to be showing that here in a few weeks because we just got it uh, finished. That, that, that video got produced, and that was a real blessing. But I, I'll just tell you, I appreciate their testimony. You know what it was? Everything I was looking for out there, I found in here with Jesus Christ. Can I say that Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season? I, imagine being Moses. And, and you have to leave Egypt and go to the backside of the desert and probably understand what all that 40 years was all about. But you know what God does? I think God is such, God has a sense of humor. Moses is on this mountain in the middle of nowhere on the backside of the desert when God shows up to him. And, and years later, when he brings Israel out of Egypt, guess where he ends up? 
And you know what I think? I think this. Those 40 years may have felt like a colossal waste of Moses' time. And I think what God was doing was preparing Moses to live out in the middle of nowhere by himself, without all the comforts of Egypt, without all the comforts of home, to make him who he needed to be, not only for himself, but for a million souls that would follow behind. But imagine this. Imagine you finally become comfortable in the backside of the desert, and God says, hey, that place you left, yeah, I want you to go back there. I want you to go and stand up to the mightiest king in all the world. <laughs> I would have been like, Lord, how about this? You showed up in a bush in a fire? Yeah, okay. How about this? How about you just rain fire down, kill Pharaoh, and then I'll go? It's <laughs> not how God worked. You know what Moses had to do? He had to understand there was value in his following the Lord. Can I say that Jesus Christ says, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. You know what the problem is with Christians? Sometimes we get kind of this in our mind, kind of get it backwards. It's kind of like, I'm going this way, Lord, you follow me. That's not how it works. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Those disciples, why, why did Peter jump out of the boat in John 21? Why did, why did John run to the tomb? Why did Mary Magdalene sit at the feet of Jesus and with all the ridicule and the people uh, making fun of her and the peer pressure and, and who is this woman anyways? She doesn't belong here. If he knew who was touching her, he wouldn't act that way. Here's this one. She comes down, breaks that box, pours out that ointment with all the ridicule, tears streaming down her face, knowing that what she's doing is for God. Why'd she go through all that? Why'd they all do those things? Why? Because they thought there was value in getting to Jesus. So let me ask you, what do you value most right now? You know what I'd say? I don't want to give this all away or embarrass anybody, but we're doing premarital, let me say, premarital counseling's cool. You know why? It's before all the problems show up. Right? And, and, and premarital counseling, I, I'm meeting with someone and, and uh, they're just talking about, basically the, the, the man was just talking about how, you know what, my job is to make sure that I love her not just now, not just during engagement, write this down, Eric, not just now, not during you know, engagement, but also afterwards, and the sacrificial love, the standard of Jesus Christ, loving the church enough to die for her, not, I can do that once, I can do it maybe the day after that, but to do it every single day at that standard, wow, that is a challenge. You know what he said in so many words? I want to show her that I love her every single day. That's where you ladies go, oh, yeah. You say, what's the lesson? Gentlemen, if you only date her when you're dating her and not when you're married, you're in trouble. Yeah. You know what the problem is? Sometimes people treat Jesus Christ like a spiritual ATM. I got a problem in my marriage, so I'm going to go to church. I got a problem with my kids, so I'm going to go to church. I, I love it when someone goes, oh, man, I need to be in church. My kids need it. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, sure, the kids need it. You know why the kids need it? Because mom and dad need it. That's why the kids need it. I, I'm going to go seek the Lord because I have this thing, and I want God to do this. Can, can I say this? That's not how you seek God. You know what Paul says? I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. These wise men... I see him as a picture of believers coming from a far country as the outsiders making a, 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 an amazing move in their, in their life. Listen, I, I see them as being wise not because of what they knew, but because the Bible says, who of God, Jesus Christ, is made unto us wisdom. These wise men ask this one question, where is he? Where is he in my job? Where is he in my finances? Where is he in my thoughts? Where is he in my dreams? Where is he in my goals? Where is he in my relationships? Where is he in my marriage? Where is he in my, friends, my friendships? Where is he? 
You know the last thing you ought to, you ought to do when you come to church? You, ought, you, ought to, you should not have to walk around and go, where is he? He ought to be here. And it ought to be evident. Can I, can I ask this question? Are you asking that question in other areas of your life? Where is he? Where is he? You know what made them wise? You know, <laughs> another reason why you know that they were probably, you know, not married because they stopped and asked for directions. <laughs> they said, where is he? We want to find him. That's a natural question when you're looking for something. Where is it? The other day, uh, Emma lost her little f- device thing that she has, and she said, who, who moved it? Who moved it? No one moved it, sweetie. I can't find it. I can't. She looked all over the place. Then we had him clean the couch out, and Preston goes, I found the phone. <laughs> Man, turned the whole house upside down looking for this thing. Why? Because she, she perceived value in it. When you perceive value in Jesus Christ, you know what you ask? Where is he? Let me tell you, whatever question you're asking, where is this? You, you might find it, but you're not going to find Jesus unless you're willing to ask, where is he? You know what the implication is? The implication is this. We tend to think as believers sometimes, even after getting saved, that if I'm going in a certain direction, God's automatically with me. You ought to stop and just ask yourself, am I doing this on my own or is he going with me? Am I making this move on my, am I just kind of manipulating something? Or is, where are you, Lord? Where are you? You know what that shows? Wisdom. You know that shows humility. I don't have all the answers. They're called wise men for a reason. Can I say this? If you want to find him and you want to seek Jesus Christ at Christmas time and every time of the year, you know what it's going to take? It's going to take supernatural direction from God. Look if you would. Look if you would at Matthew. Matthew chapter number two. Matthew chapter two. And and notice something that's said here. I love how the Greeks say uh, at the feast uh, years later uh, to Philip, they said, sir, we would see Jesus. You know, that tells me some come to see, I'm going to get to Matthew 2 in a moment. Some come to see people, some come to be seen of people, and some come to see the Savior of the people. That's the category you want to be in. These wise men said, where is he? Where is he? I'll never forget years ago, uh, I I had a a man named Don and a, a couple named Don and Marie Kern come to our church. I mean, that was like when we first, 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 before the, the Smiths were even here, uh, Don and Marie Kern, they came to our church. We had put out some Easter flyers, and, uh, and, I, and I remember walking up. I, mentioned, I think I referenced this recently. I remember walking up to Don, and I said, hey, Don. I, I said, hey, my name's Pastor Adrian. Nice to meet you. And, and if you think I'm energetic now, you should have seen me at 28. Hey, good morning. It's so good to have you. What, what's your name? Oh, man, that's great. How'd you find us? That's awesome. Come on back. Surprised we have a church at all. <laughs> now, I, remember, I remember I walked up to this guy and he goes, I, literally, I'm, I'm just giving him my name. <laughs> he puts his hand out. He goes, you're going to want to talk to her. I'm here because she asked me to come. I was like, Whoop. okay. Some people come because they have to. Now, let me just say this. I want to give you a happy ending, a little hallmark ribbon on, the, on the, the bow at the end of the story. That man came to church that way that day. And after a while, he, he would come on and off on his own. He'd start realizing, I don't, she's not making me come. About three years later, he's downstairs sitting in his house, and he invites me over, and he starts bawling like a, like a little child. You know what he says? I'm not ready to go home. I'm not ready to go home. I'm not saved. Don got saved. Amen. He's sitting at the, fo- at the feet of Jesus Christ right now. Amen. But you know, he didn't start there. He started off with, well, I'm only here because, maybe you're here because someone invited you. I don't know. I don't know why you're here. I can tell you the greatest reason to be here is to seek Jesus Christ. Amen. Look at Matthew chapter number 2 
And let me show you something that I think sometimes gets overlooked in this story. Look at uh, chapter 2. And, and notice what these wise men say in, in verse number 2. Saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his what? Oh, man, everyone talks about the star and the miracle. They make movies about it. I'm not against that, but it's all about the star, man. There's supernatural signs. Can I say this? It takes supernatural direction from God in order to find Jesus Christ. You do not come to the conclusion of truth by your intellect. You come to that truth because the Holy Spirit of God shines on you, opens your eyes, and says, this is right. But do you know what God, let me just say this, people go, oh, the star, I wish I could have seen the star. Do you know why they need to look for, for the star? Do you know where this idea even came from? Look at Numbers, go way back in the Old Testament, go to Numbers chapter 24, I want you to get a hold of this, I want you to understand, it wasn't just that these men woke up one day and this bright star showed up and started talking to them. I don't believe that's what took place, and let me tell you why. Look at Numbers chapter 24. And this is a prophecy from the Old Testament, kind of one that, that gets overlooked. It's kind of obscure uh, when one man is being asked to, to condemn or to curse Israel. And the response from Balaam is, I can't do that. And, and when, he, when he stands up and says that, he gets this vision and here's what he sees. Numbers 24, verse 17. I shall see him, but not now. Boy, isn't that true? <laughs> I, I, I want to see him someday, and I will face to face, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a what? A star out of Jacob and a what? Scepter shall rise. You know a scepter is something that a king holds. And you know that, that star, that S there is capital in star and it's capital in S. Do you see that in your Bible? Do you know what that was? That was prophecy that was given in a land east of Israel. And that prophecy was one that those people would have known and some of them would have recorded out from the scriptures and known there was going to come one day a star and a king out of Israel. Look at Daniel chapter number two. By the way, the word wise men shows up. I know this is just a little bit of a Bible study woven into the sermon, so bear with me. But Daniel has the word wise men, uh, that, that, uh, that, that phrase shows up 12 times in the book of Daniel, more than any, any other book of your Bible. You say, what is that? It's to point us to this fact. The, the reality is this, that when you look at Daniel, the story goes like this. We don't know what's going on. We need someone to interpret supernaturally what's going on. And you know what Daniel does over and over and over? He interprets dreams and visions. And when they come to give him praise and worship him, he goes, listen to me, it's not in me. I don't have the ability to interpret this. This comes from God. <laughs> you know what wise men do? They don't look to themselves. They look to supernatural direction from the Lord. And you may go, oh, where's my star? Quit looking up. You've got the book in your lap. Do you know what allowed them to look up and see a star? What number says? You know what allowed them to, to, to look and understand that the Messiah was going to come? What Daniel chapter 9 says, which I won't have you go there right now. But in Daniel 9, it gives a timetable for which God would allow the Messiah to come from the time of the rebuilding of Jerusalem to the time when Messiah would come and eventually be cut off. So those wise men read the scriptures. Look at Daniel chapter 2. Daniel 2. And as they read the books, listen to me. Where were these wise men probably from? More than likely, this is from the east, and very likely from the, from the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians, which was centered in Babylon. Do you know where Daniel was at when he received all these visions? Babylon. You know what Daniel did? He recorded these things in writings. And you've got one copy in your Bible, but it probably wasn't the only copy around. You know what I think some of those wise men did? I think they said, hey, there's this guy that can interpret dreams, and he talks to God directly. Whatever that guy writes, let's read about that. 
And those wise men opened up some of those things that Daniel wrote, and they realized, man, the Messiah is almost here, and it connects him with the star. You say, who told them that? God. You know what God uses? Listen to me very carefully. You know what those, those, those wise men were? They were astrologers. And Look at Daniel 2, verse number 26. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, that's the Babylonian name, art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, the secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, astrologers, magicians, soothsayers, Show unto the king, but there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known. Aren't you glad there's a God in heaven? And when nobody else knows what's going on, God knows. And not only does God know, but he records it in his words in a book for us so that we can know. God did not just put you down here with your conscience to go, good luck. He gave you a book to guide your life. You want supernatural direction from God? You know how those wise men could look up at the star? That was what they were used to doing. God uses what you're used to in your life, coupled with direction from that book, to show you what's right. Why does he give the fishermen multiple baskets of fish? Because they know fish. Why does he uh, help that widow woman with a barrel of oil and reveal himself that way? Because she knew that. You see, God's going to deal with you where you're at. You know how he's going to do it, though? He's going to use that book to show you things out of your regular everyday life. You see, for wise men, it was not uncommon to look at the stars and, and, and tell the patterns of the skies and try to interpret things. So God goes, you know what? I'm going to put my words in a book where they're going to know there's a star that's going to appear and that star will be unlike any other star and they're going to know there's a timetable from the rebuilding of Jerusalem to when the Messiah would come and if they just read that book, if they just read that book, they'll know when to look up. Christian, can I say this? If you just read that book, you'll know when to look up. You'll know what's going on in your life. You won't be lost all the time. You won't be confused all the time. And even in the midst of all the chaos, you go, you know what? I don't have all the answers, but there is a God in heaven that reveals secrets. Amen. Christian, can I say it like this? You want supernatural direction from God? You will not do it. By the way, the only time scripture is mentioned in the Old Testament, there goes something. The only time scripture is mentioned in the Old Testament, you know where it is? Daniel. You know what it's talking about? Prophecy. You know what the Bible says? No prophecy of the scripture came by private interpretation. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You, you want to know God's mind? You want God to tell you, what, should I marry this person? Should I not? Yes, you should. All right. Should, should, should I go and should I take this job? Should I, I, look, I can't tell you all those things, but you've got a God that deals with you personally. If you just crack this thing open. I, I was recently talking with someone who's going through some issues in their life, and I said, I said this. I said, look, uh, let, me, let me start off with asking you this question. Are you reading your Bible? You know what the answer was? No. I said, look, I'll talk to you as much as you want, but I've got nothing outside of this book. And any advice, any direction I can give you comes from the words of God. You know why they were wise? They weren't wise because of their own intellect. They were wise because they knew God. You know what Jeremiah says? Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. It matched scripture and it was something they could relate to. This is why God uses a rod for Moses and fish for fishermen and bread for 5,000 hungry people and everyday occurrences in your life to show you himself when you are reading this. Oh, I wish a star would just pop up in the sky. I wish God would spray paint. Let me tell you something right now. If God did that, you would still doubt it. 
You know what you need? You need something firm in your life that doesn't change from day to day with your emotions. Amen. You know what better not be leading you right now? Your emotions. You know what better not be leading you? Your logic. You know what better not be leading you? The media. You know what better not be leading you? Popular thought. You know why? It's always changing. It's never the same. I am thankful for something that never changes. And it will guide you. Question this morning. If you are a believer, are you looking to this as supernatural revelation from God? Because that's literally what it is. It is a miracle to hold the words of God in your hand. And to say, God, you know exactly what I need in my life right now. I cannot make this up. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to interpret this. God, you're the one who reveals secrets. Lord, would you do this? You say, why? I'm going to tell you right now, if you're lost without Jesus Christ, you can pick up this book. It'll make no sense to you. You know why? You don't know the author yet. And when you get saved, the author comes to live inside you. The Bible says, a natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Uh, let me say it like this. Pilate is standing right in front of truth manifest in the flesh. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus Christ is truth in a person. He is truth personified in human form. He's right in front of Pilate. You know what Pilate says? What is truth? I've watched this. Mom will go to the boys and go, hey, your room clean? Uh-huh. <laughs> Brush your teeth? Uh-huh. And the mom walks in and goes, what is that? Oh, it was right there, but I didn't see it. You know how many things in your life are right there, but you don't see it? Can I ask you a question? This is, okay, we have, this is, what year is it? Based off of what? <laughs> I love it when, you know, oh, we're going to call it a BCE, before the common era. Oh, that, takes, that gets rid of it, right? Then we're going to call this a common era. Okay, but what's the date? What is it based off of? It's just like I was at a, a benefits thing for a company the other day. And they, you know, if you're a non-birth-getting person versus a birth kid, you mean a woman? Right. Like, what are we saying here? Can I, can I say this? You know what BCE is? It's before Christ. You know what common era is? 80 in the year of our Lord. Can I say this? This is how important this event was. Who's looking for him at that time? Where's the news? Where is everybody? How come it's just a handful of people that find him? If this is going to be the thing that marks our calendars for thousands of years ahead, where is everybody else? I can tell you this, they weren't looking in there. You know, you know what? I'll, I'll give you this. Think about this. The wise men, they, they're wise and they're following that star. And, but the Bible says they went to Jerusalem. Is that where Jesus was born? No. You know what Jerusalem represents? Logic. That's where kings live in Jerusalem. You know what Bethlehem represents? Who would go there for a king? I think this. I think they were walking, and that star was leading them toward Bethlehem. They came to a point where they go, well, that's Jerusalem, though, and that kind of makes more sense. And then they, they kind of went to Jerusalem. They lost the star, and all of a sudden, you know what they start doing? They start talking to people. Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? You know what? You didn't have to stop and ask anybody if you just kept doing what he told you to do and go in the direction he told you to go in. You get lost when you start looking at people because you think you know better than God does. Let me say this, Christian, if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, let me say this, if you have never been born again and you want to know God, it takes supernatural revelation from him. Secondly, can I say this? I think God's calling you, someone. <laughs> if you're not saved, you better get saved, I'll tell you right now. 
Uh, look, at, look, look back at Matthew chapter number 2. Matthew chapter number 2. Matthew chapter number 2. It's good to be in church, isn't it? Matthew chapter 2. Can I say this secondly? It takes sincerity. It takes sincerity. Um, I'll, I'll say it this way. Do, doesn't the world say talk is cheap? You know where that comes from, by the way? Some of you don't know this. You know where it comes from? Proverbs. The talk of the lips tendeth only to penury, like pennies. Talk is cheap is a Bible term. The world doesn't even know that. But it's cheap. I can say anything. Oh, I love you. Can I say this, ladies? A young man will say that to get something from you that you can never get back. Talk's cheap. You know, uh, listen, I told her I loved her, but you know how I prove it? Not by, you know, every time we get, if there's ever, oh, not an argument, but a heated, passionate discussion of dissertation between our thoughts of you. If there ever does exist in our marriage, you know what I don't do? I don't run. You know, pull, the, open the drawer, get out the photo album. Photo albums are things where you put pictures inside of, okay? And you pull it and go, remember this? Remember the ring? I told you I loved you. I meant it. That doesn't work. It doesn't mean anything. You know what matters? I hate to uh, conjure up, you know, the 1990s and Paul Abdul, what have you done for me lately? That's how you prove your love. <laughs> you, you, know, you know what it is? It's I love you today. You know, talk, talk is cheap. You know what happens here in Matthew chapter 2? There's two people that say they want to worship the Lord. The wise men, you see that in verse 2, and Herod in verse number 8. Oh, yeah, listen, you tell me. <laughs> you know how you know one is sincere? One is willing to go through the distance and the trouble to get there, and one is just all about talk. Let me say this. If you're doing the same thing over and over and just hoping that things change, you know what that is? That's insanity. You want to get closer to God? You're going to have to make some moves. Lord, I, I came to worship. God, I, I'm really sincere. If you are sincere, can I say this? It's going to cost you. Salvation costs you nothing. It costs him everything. If you're not saved, you must be born again. He is offering you a free gift. But if you want to get to know him in a relationship and get to know him uh, more, more clearly, understand your direction in life, understand your purpose in life, you know what it's going to take? It's going to take some things out of you. It's going to take sincerity. If I know where you spend your money, and where you spend your time and who your friends are, I know exactly what you're all about. You ever consider the amount of times that Jesus doesn't answer someone right away? Like, I, I look at this story. Herod doesn't find Jesus. True story or not? Doesn't find him. Why? His desire wasn't sincere. You know how you know this? Years later, at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, it's a different Herod. It's not the same guy. It was a dynasty of Herods. It's a different Herod, but the same spirit. At the, end of, at, at the end of the life of Jesus Christ, at the crucifixion, Herod is glad that Jesus is there. You know why he's glad? He wanted him to, see a, he wanted him to perform a miracle. All right, everybody get your, your, your popcorn and peanuts. All right, Jesus, go ahead. Do something for me. Go ahead. It's not why Jesus is here. He's not here to perform for you. Like, like that woman soccer player, who I don't even know her name, don't care to know her name, who like, I, got, I broke my ankle, therefore God's not real. You idiot. That's not how that works. Maybe God broke your ankle to show you he cares enough about you to get your attention. Because you think you're a big shot when you play the game. Now you're flat on your back. Maybe that's good for you. You ever think about that? You, you know, listen, let me just say, God's not here to perform. All right, dance, monkey dance. Go ahead, Lord. Show me what you got. That's not why he's here. 
You are here. Listen, if anything, you're here to serve him, not the other way around. You know what Herod wanted? All right, I'm, I'm, I, yeah, guys, uh, listen, I'm here to worship. I'm, yeah, okay, then what, what, are you willing to come with us? No, I got other stuff to do. You willing to leave all the pomp and circumstance and, and, and travel with us to find him? No, that's okay. You know what God is with Herod? Silent. Let me tell you something right now. The world has kind of given the Lord the finger. And you know what they're saying? God, you're not talking. He's silent right now, but let me tell you, he ain't going to be silent forever. And, and, and let me explain this right now for those who may get offended with what I just said. You hear and see way worse. I'm not apologizing for what I just said. That's what the world's doing to God right now. And you know what the Lord's doing? He's silent. And you say, why? They're not sincere. God, if you were real, you, you're sincere? Here he is. You can find him. He wants you to find him. But you got to be sincere. Can I remind you that when Jesus stands in front of Pilate with all the accusations, listen, by the way, when people throw silly accusations, you don't always have to respond. Sometimes just let them make a fool of themselves. I mean, I mean, there's Pilate and, and Jesus is there and Pilate goes, don't you know, I got the power to do this and why don't you answer me? Blood running down his face. And the high, the high priest and the, and the scribes and the Pharisees, did you not hear him? He's committed blasphemy. They slap him around. He says nothing. Think about this. He's hanging on a cross. People are spitting in his face, making fun of him. As he is dying, he takes a moment to turn and say, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He answered that guy. He answered, and he, he didn't answer a whole bunch of other people. That's backwards to me. I would have answered the people that could have killed me like, hey, here's the proof. I'm not what you say I am. I did everything right. Here's all the facts. Let me give you my story. He's just, why? They didn't want the truth. Here hangs a man on his deathbed, hanging on a cross, who's a sinner, who's a thief. And he looks over, has a change of heart after initially being one of those that casts things into the teeth of Jesus Christ and mocks him himself. And he looks over and he says, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And when Jesus ignored the high priest and he ignored Pilate and he ignored the Pharisees and he ignored Herod, he ignored all the people of power, he looks over to that man and he says, today. And I think he did with a smile. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Say why? One group was sincere and one wasn't you want to find the lord be real this generation talks about being raw and real no you're not right. <laughs> you can't tell what a woman is or a man is and if you can't if you make that if you say that in public <gasps> you're not real you're not raw you can't deal with basic biology you know what real is real is truth from that book and by the way, if you hear me say something like this from the pulpit, he hates people. I don't hate anyone. Let me tell you this right now. You need to understand this. Listen to me right now. If I walked up here and I said, listen, I'm a five-year-old, right? Now I'm five years old. I don't want to pay taxes anymore. The IRS is not going to stop making me pay my taxes. So why can I just change my gender, which is way more influential than my age at the whim? I'll tell you, listen, listen. It's not because I hate these people. I just want you to not be indoctrinated with the foolishness that's going on out there. Have enough compassion to go, I'm sorry you're confused. I'm praying for you. If I can help in any way, let me know. Oh, that's hate speech. No, it's not. Where's the hate at in that? 
You know what that is? That's truth. Speaking the truth in love. And this world that likes it raw and real can't handle it. You want to be sincere with God? Be raw. Be real. Lord, here's where I'm at. Lord, I'm not in the right place. I'm not you. If you're lost without Jesus Christ, I'm going to say it one more time. You'll go to hell and you'll go there forever and ever and ever and ever. Oh, you're trying to scare me? I'm trying to wake you up to the reality of this. There's a loving God. That, listen, if someone broke into your house, banged the door down tonight, shot up your whole house, lit it on fire, and that guy stands in trial on judgment day, and the judge looks at him and goes, you know what? You committed arson. You committed theft. You committed burglary. You committed murder. But you were a good guy up to that point. We're going to let you off. I don't think you'd let that go. And yet you sin against a holy and righteous God every day of your life and God lets it go and lets it go and lets it go and lets it go and you take your final breath and he goes, okay, judgment day. Let me compare you to my son, Jesus Christ. He's sinless, you're not. Well, well, I don't think, I'm, I don't think that's that big of a deal. You want truth? You want to come to God? Here's the, here's the real truth. You are a sinner and you are not Jesus. He is a sinless man. You are not that man. You know how I know? Let me talk to your wife, sir. Let me talk to your husband, ma'am. Let me talk to your children. Let me talk to your parents. I will find out that you are not sinless, let alone when you stand before God. You got to get a hold of this. He was made open and naked before all, so you wouldn't have to be. But if you reject his gift, you'll be open and naked before him. And he was going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. But I was confirmed, depart from me, I never But I went to the Baptist church, depart from me, I never knew But I, 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 I got sprinkled, I depart from me. But I got baptized, depart from me. You say, why? Because you never came to a place where you were willing to acknowledge that you were not enough. Amen. And he was. Amen. Christian, can I say this? You ought to be able to amen those other points, but can I say this? You want to find the Lord? Be sincere with him. Quit playing games. This whole God, if you do this for me, that, dude, you're not going to Vegas. You're going to the, the holy and righteous God. You're not gambling here. You know what you're doing? You are laying everything out open and naked before him. Go, God, here's where I'm at. Here's what I am. Here's what's going on. Lord, that woman in Matthew 15, I, I love that story. Some of you know it, some of you don't. There, the Jesus is walking with his disciples, walking down the road, and this woman jumps, jumps in front of him and goes, Lord, help me! This woman of Canaan, she's an outsider. You know what the Bible says? He just kept walking. He didn't answer. He answered her not a word. Oh, the news media was there. Whoom. <laughs> CNN, YouTube Live, Fox News. Jewish Zionist prophet who claims to be the Messiah ignores the plea of the Gentile. Now watch it. The disciples then come and go, Lord, can you do something about her? Tell her to shut up. That's what happens. Modern Adrian version, it may be. <laughs> you guys always want to update. There it is. He, disciples come to him and they go, Lord, can you shut her up? And, and the Lord looks over her and she falls down before him. And he know what he says to her? Oh, man, the news would have a cow today. He says, ma'am, it's not, it's not me to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> First you ignore her, then you call her a dog. She's a female, you know what that is. Oh, no, you didn't. And, and, and you know what she says in response? Yeah, Lord, but the dogs will eat the crumb that fall from the master. Boy, that's sincerity. Right. 
she didn't have to go get some organization to defend her. She just was raw and open and real with God. And he looked at her and says, gentlemen, take some notes. You boys can learn a lesson from this woman. You want God to show you some things? Be real with him. Don't come with an agenda. Herod had an agenda. God wasn't interested. Don't use Jesus for your agenda. Gentlemen, can I say this? You're a husband. I'll lead your home. That doesn't mean dominate and control everything around you. You use Jesus for your agenda. You're not using Jesus the right way. When you come to Jesus, you don't use him at all. You say, Lord, would you use me? It takes supernatural revelation. Can I say this? It takes sincerity. These wise men were sincere. Why? How do you know? Well, they were willing to make the trip. (laughs) You say, how do you know? Look, if you would, at verse number 11, Matthew chapter 2, verse number 11, when they were coming to the house. You know how I know they were sincere about worship? It wasn't enough just to get there. They didn't just come to, to find Jesus as a historical figure. You know what they did? They came, and when they got there, they went into the house. And you know what else they did? Once they got in the house, they're like, okay, I want to get a little bit closer. That's a sincere desire for God. Once you find him, I, I, I want to get closer. <laughs> I, I got to the house. That's where the star sh- uh, stopped, and the Lord must be in there. There he is. Can you imagine the wise men getting there and going, Amazon, run off. You know what they did? They, they said, well, well, he's in there, so, so we want to go in there. Christian, can I say this? It shouldn't be enough to go, well, he's at church. There he is. Okay, goodbye. Uh-uh. I want to go closer. I'm going to go in the house. And when I get in the house, I want to fall down on his feet. I want to get closer. And once I do that, I want to open my, my presence. You say, why? Because that's why I came. I didn't come for religion. I didn't come for show. I didn't come to go out through some kind of routine. I came to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and I'm not leaving until I accomplish that thing. Can I say it took determination? Say, how do you know? Oh, well, do you notice in the beginning of the chapter they go to the wrong place? You notice in the beginning of the chapter they are around the wrong people? They kind of, for wise men, they got a lot wrong. Can I say this? Don't let you get in the way of Jesus Christ. Don't let your mistakes along the way keep you from moving forward. You know what those wise men had to do? They had to go, well, we got that one wrong. They didn't go, let's go home. Can you imagine making that trip that was probably at least 2,500 kilometers away from Babylon to, to Israel if it was Babylon? At least that far. Some speculate it may have come further from the eastern side of the Median, Medio Persian kingdom. A, a long way, whether it's four, six months, two years, I don't know, but it was a long time. Imagine going to Jerusalem and going, well, he's not here, let's just go. They didn't stop. They got there and they said, you know what? If, this was, if we were wrong the first time, we're gonna keep going until we find him. Christian, we need that kind of determination in the church. Not just, well, I tried once and it didn't work. No, listen, how long have you tried it the wrong way? Some of you for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Then you come to church and you get a little bit of truth. You go, all right, I tried it for a week. God, where are you at? The Lord's like, come on, let's keep going. Don't stop. Determination. Determination. Paul messes up. Peter messes up. John Mark messes up. Listen, people were in the way when they got there. Politicians were in the way when they got there. Pressure was in the way when they got there. Thank God they didn't stop just because it was hard. Can I say this, Christian? As it relates to determination, nothing in this world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination will not alone, or omnipotent. 
See, what does that mean? It means this. The test of a person's character is what it takes to stop him or her. That's, that's what it is. You know, determination requires risk. What if I look like an idiot? What if it doesn't work out? doesn't matter. There's something of such great value I'm willing to go. Amen. Let me say this in closing. Look if you would at Matthew chapter 2, verse 12. After they open their presence, after they present their gifts, you can make the argument for sake of the narrative that Christmas morning, if you will. Look at verse 12. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod. Look what it says in the last part of verse 12. They departed into their own country. What are the last two words? Christian, our generation has been saturated with come as you are. Nothing wrong with that. But you ought to leave differently than you came. You ought to leave church. You ought to leave your Bible. You ought to leave everything you do a little bit closer to Jesus Christ. A little bit less. You know what? They could have they gone back the way Herod told them to. They had to make a choice. Am I going to go man's way or God's way? You know what God's way says? I might even have to go a longer route, but that's still the right way to go back home. I don't know when you're going to take your last breath, but I'll tell you this much. You want to land on the other side knowing you did it God's way. And if you're not saved, you could be saved today. And if you are saved, you want to land the right... Can I just say this? Ruth has to part ways with Orpah. Abraham has to part ways with Lot. God says, get Ishmael out of the house from Isaac. You say, why? These two worlds, your way and God's way, the world's way and God's way, they cannot coexist. So he says to these men, listen, as we're wrapping this up, listen to me. If you want to be wise, you want to find Jesus, not just a Christian, not just one time a year, but every single day of your life, allow it to change you to the point where you go, I'm going to go back a different way than the way I came. Christian, let me ask you, what are you looking for? A person that's here that's maybe never made a decision to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. What are you looking for? I imagine these wise men on their deathbed. And I don't think on their deathbed they're talking about some great discovery in ancient Greece. I don't think they're talking about, you know, Socrates' writings. I don't think they're talking about the current events. You might think they're talking about their deathbed. We saw the king. We saw the king. As those men take their last breath, whether it's three of them, 20 of them, I don't know, two of them, more than one for sure, says men, wise men. Let's say it's three on three deathbeds. You know what I think you'd hear from me, all three of those men? Remember that time? Remember when I came back and told you about that? I'm getting ready, I'm getting ready to see him again. Who's coming with me? Let's all stand, every head bowed and every eye closed. The Lord's spoken to you. You can move